0: to be in the house of the Lord. What an incredible day that the Lord has blessed us with. I am coming to you tonight um, because the Lord has laid something very deep on my heart and in my spirit. And I'm going to challenge you. And at the same time, I might have to say a few things that are going to be hard. But in the end, God Is going to move in this place. I am confident that uh, the Lord has shared with me to share with you that you are chosen, you are consecrated, and the Lord intends for you to be mighty. And tonight we're going to delve a little deeper into that. A few weeks ago, Sister Kara Kay, is she here? She's sitting over there. She made a post on Facebook that literally made me laugh out loud. It wasn't just the LOL. I literally snorted after I read her post. You see, the Ks have committed to reading the Bible through in 2018 as a family, and I commend them for that. I think that that is an amazing thing. While reading the book of Judges... Dalton became exasperated at the children of Israel, who continually disobeyed and walked their own way. In the middle of their reading, Sister Kara uh, said that all of a sudden, Dalton exclaimed, Oh my word, get it together, children of Israel. I could completely sympathize with Dalton's frustration because there have been many times in my studies that I have asked the Lord out loud, how did you not zap them? Big spoiled babies, they were out of control. As comical as that may sound, we do have to understand and take into account exactly who the children of Israel were, and why God kindled his anger towards them, yet repeatedly extended his arm of mercy to them. You see, they were the people of God. They were the people that God had separated unto himself. He had a plan that had been in place from the very beginning of time to bring about a Messiah from the lineage of their bloodline. They were not ordinary people. They were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, heirs to the promises of God. And so over and over again, God would call the children of Israel to repentance for their rebellious ways, and then extend his hand of mercy because his purpose was greater than the pain that their rebellion caused him. Throughout the books of law and of history in the Old Testament, we find where the children of Israel would turn away from serving the one true and living God, and allow idolatry to infiltrate their lives and their homes, all the while ignoring the very first commandment, thou shalt have no other God before me. This was a slap in the face of God. They were his chosen people, the people that he loved, the people of his covenant, these were the people who survived the plagues of Egypt, unscathed and unaffected because of the protection of God. When the night skies echoed the, crow, the cries of the Egyptian as the death angel took the firstborn of every house, the children of Israel huddled behind the doorposts that were stained, with the blood of the lamb, with their eldest children wrapped in their arms because of his mercy. They experienced the parting of the Red Sea. Their feet walked the miraculous dry path that God had created for them because of his marvelous power. The eyes of the children of Israel saw the pillar of fire that led them through the wilderness at night. They sheltered under the cloud that protected them from the noonday sun. Manna from heaven sustained them for 40 years, and they never hungered because of his provision. They heard the thunder and saw the supernatural demonstration of God's presence descend on Mount Sinai as they stood at the foot of the mountain. With their own eyes, they witnessed the fire that fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice for their sins because of his grace. Yet over and over again, God's own people forsook him and followed after the gods of the land in which they dwelled. These were the people that had been taught since birth. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You see, they were versed in Scripture. Every generation, from the youngest to the oldest, participated in taking the sacrifice for their sins to the priest. Each of the 12 tribes of Israel had specific duties to the service of the Lord, which were held dear and were passed from generation to generation. Yet they continually defied the teachings that they had been taught since their youth they intermarried with the daughters of the land in which they inhabited because they found the daughters of the land more attractive, more mysterious, more exciting, and something about the daughters awakened desires of their flesh that had been foreign and forbidden to them up to that point. The longing for the daughters of the land was stronger than their hunger for God. So they tolerated the gods of the daughters of the land, that, the gods that they worshipped. The children of Israel allowed the idols into their tents and quietly sat by as their children were indoctrinated with the false beliefs of the wives of the daughters of the land. And to satisfy the request of the voices of distraction, disillusion, and the pleas of Delilah, they began to worship the idols of the land themselves. They built shrines and erected high places unto the gods of that land. Then the unimaginable began to happen Their children were sacrificed on altars to the gods of Molech and Baal, the gods of Jezebel and of Sodom and Gomorrah. Their children's blood was shed to Dagon, the god of Delilah. So evil and sadistic, were the practices of idolatry that the priests of Baal were required to eat of the human sacrifice to their idol. And the priest of Moloch would beat drums to drown out the screams of their children. Ritualistic prostitution convened in the temples to these gods, as did homosexual acts with the men performed with a priest in self-mutilation. Generations of the children of Israel were brought up confused about the one true and living God of Israel versus the gods of the land that they had grown up around. They knew the stories of their forefathers, but did not know the God who longed for them to worship him and worship him only. God forbid that our children would not know the God that we serve, the God that protects, the God that delivers, the God that provides, the God of victory, the God of all creation, the one true and living God. I want our children to know who that God is. I want them to have a relationship with that God that will keep them from idolatry and serving the gods of this land. These were the people who were chosen of God. They were to be set apart for his service consecrated to his purpose, yet they toyed with their calling as though it was some light thing and really didn't mean much. They took for granted that Jehovah Nissi would fight their battles and would slay their enemies because it was just commonplace to them. The sting of God's judgment was quickly forgotten in the aftermath of his mercy that was extended to them over and over and over again, yet they would turn and go the opposite direction that the Lord intended. Loaded with the benefits of the blessings of God, they confused God's covenant with entitlement. They complained and murmured because they couldn't tolerate manna another day. Yet they tolerated the gods of Jezebel and Delilah and lost their children in the process. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, They married wives and were given in marriage to the inhabitants of the land. And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, I know thy works in charity, in service, in faith, in thy patience, in thy works. And the last is more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou tolerated the woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed and to idols. Let him that has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You may have all of the works right. You give. You labor. You have great faith. You are doing more now than you have ever done. But if you are tolerating the gods of this world, if you are allowing practices in your homes that are confusing your children, And causing disillusionment to infiltrate their belief system. If you are versed in scripture, but your life speaks of everything else except the word of God. If you are intermarrying the customs of this world with your calling as a child of God. If you are tolerating seducing spirits to satisfy the lust of your flesh, then you are walking dangerously close to idolatry. God is a jealous God, and he will not share his bride with anything else or anyone else he wants a bride that is in love with him and that is faithful to him and that will keep themselves for him and for him only you cannot be chosen yet entertain the world you cannot toy with your calling young people and disregard the consecration that God is requiring of you and expect to remain anointed. You cannot be mighty and anointed of God and escape unscathed from the lap of Delilah. You are not entitled to the blessings and favor of God, if you are going to walk down paths that God did not intend for your life or walk a different direction from the design of the purpose that he has for your life. And let me assure every one of you, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And the only way that it will be fulfilled is not up to God. It is up to you to consecrate yourself, to walk in the path that God has designed for you. If you are not careful and guarded, you'll head into spiritual battle and expect to shake yourself As you have in times past, only to realize that God has removed his favor and his presence from your life. Let him who has an ear hear what the spirit is saying to the church. The Lord has chosen you. He has chosen you to be a peculiar people, to be set apart for his service, to be a royal priesthood. I challenge you today to choose to consecrate yourself to his purpose and to his service. You see, your consecration dictates your level of power and anointing in the spirit. Your consecration is your weapon, and it is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the scripture says. I am currently reading a book written by Kim Haney from Stockton, California, and the title of this book is Guarding the Channels of the Supernatural, and it served as the inspiration for my message tonight. In this book, Sister Haney refers to the Nazarite vow that defines Samson and his power and his might with God. As I began to look deeper into the Nazarite vow, I saw some things that I had never seen before. You see, the word Nazarite is defined as one who has a vow with God. One who is consecrated to the service of Jehovah God. One who is, who is undefiled by corruption and walks in strict contract with God. I always thought that the Nazarite vow was for the males of the Israelites because all we have known of such a vow has been the story of Samson. But when I looked deeper, I found that that was not the case. In Numbers, the sixth chapter, the first verse says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves, to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord. The New Living Bible says it like this, when either a man or a woman takes the special vow of a Nazarite, consecrating themselves to the Lord in a special way. Notice that the Bible refers to separation as consecration and consecration as a vow between God and man. You cannot be consecrated unto God without being separated from this world. Consecration and separation go hand in hand. You cannot have one without the other. You're going to look different when you are consecrated and separated from this world. You're going to act different. Your conversations are not going to be the same as the people in this world. There will be things that are required of you that will not be required of the individual who is not chosen for God's purpose. You will be misunderstood. You will face loneliness and isolation. And I know what I'm talking about. There will be times of questions as to whether or not that separation is even necessary. There will be moments that you will feel that the requirements that you um, of your consecration that God is calling to you is too heavy for you to bear. But without consecration, you will never walk in the realms of power and of might and of authority that God has intended for you. It is a matter of obedience and submission to the requirements that God has placed on his church. What will be your response when God requires you to give up certain things? What will be your response when God asks you to sever relationships or to to give up things that you participate in? Will you say, that is too hard for me? Or will you follow the advice of Paul when he said, lay aside every weight that so easily besets you and run this race until you finish The requirements God commanded of the Nazarite vow didn't make sense to logical thinking. They were not to drink wine or strong drink. They were prohibited from eating moist grapes or dried grapes, in other words, raisins. The man or woman who vowed the Nazarite vow were never to cut their hair, but the locks of their hair were to grow uninhibited. They were forbid to come in contact with a dead body, human or animal, because it would defile them and they would have to shave their head to cleanse themselves and to begin anew again. Their obedience to these requirements and their separation is what made them holy, Unto God and what gave them might and power. Samson's mother and father dedicated him. To live a life of the Nazarite vow before he was ever even born. They dedicated him to the service of the Lord. When you bring your babies to the front of the church, that is more than just an opportunity for a cute little photo op and to be able to show off that baby But you are standing before God and before the church saying, I am dedicating this child. This child may not be old enough to make the decision for themselves, but I as a parent am going to make the decision for them that as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. An angel of the Lord came to the, his parents and promised a son to a barren woman, but only if they would consecrate him to the service of the Lord. He was characterized by, with great might that was of a supernatural source. Just like the children of Israel, Samson was raised hearing from birth, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He was raised in a God-fearing home. His parents were dedicated to the service of the Lord. He held to the outward consecration that was set for him. But just like the children of Israel, he towed the line of rebellion And tempted the Lord. The scripture says that Samson went down to Timnah. Understand that Samson lived in the land of Israel. Which he was made to protect. Yet he went down to the land of the Philistines. He walked among his enemies willingly. He placed himself among the dangers of his enemies. He had become so arrogant in his strength, not fearing the Philistines who sought to destroy him. In Timoth, he saw a woman of the daughters of the Philistines that pleased him and demanded of his father and mother to get her for his wife. You see, the Philistines were idolaters. They worshipped the god Dagon and offered human sacrifice as their worship. Evidently, Samson had a lust for the daughters of the land because his parents replied to his request, is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren and among all thy people that will catch your eye? You would defile yourself to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? They were reminding Samson of his Nazarite vow. His parents were pointing out that a consecrated child of God was not to defile themselves by joining with the uncircumcised But Samson rejected the warning of his parents. He demanded that they get him, the daughter of the Philistines, to wed because she pleased him. And the lust of his flesh was stronger than his desire for God. He didn't believe that he could be defiled. After all, he was the mighty Samson, and he was going to be the exception to the rule. Young people and young adults, you better think long and hard before you decide to date or to marry outside of the church. It will defile you. There will be a a battle For the blood of your children, because your spouse will hear the stories of your God, but will not know the God of your salvation. Do not be unequally yoked with sinners. If you have parents who are warning you of impending danger, shape up and take heed to those warnings. They're not trying to be mean. They are looking out for your soul. You better thank God that you have parents who will fight your flesh when your will is too weak to fight. Refuse to walk in rebellion against the authority that God has placed in your life. But choose to align yourself with authority. Choose to consecrate yourself to the purpose of God. And if you will, in due time, he will elevate you and he will use you and he will anoint you for his purpose. Do I have any parents that believe that tonight? And parents, God did not ordain you to be your child's best friend and enabler. He ordained you to be the watchman and the gatekeeper of your home. You see, the watchman, the father, stood on the wall and watched for approaching enemies, but the mother guarded the entrance of the home and kept the enemy from infiltrating the home. That is what God has ordained you parents to be. If you set boundaries of consecration in your children's life, don't give in to their demands and the desires of the flesh. Their flesh will destroy them and their hearts will deceive them. Set those boundaries and be bold enough and brave enough to dig your heels in when your child fights you and say, no, you aren't going to go that way. No, you are not going to do this. It may be what you want now, but down the road, it is going to destroy you. Dig your heels in. Set your face towards the sky and say, as for For me and my house, it is not an option. We will serve the Lord. You have a right to do that. If they live in your home and they put their feet under your table and they sleep in your bed and on the pillow that you paid for and they breathe the air that you're paying to pump into your home, What makes them think that they have a right to say, No, I don't feel like doing that. No, I don't want to do that. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. As for this house, it is not optional. We will serve the Lord. But Samson's parents went along with Samson's demands, giving in to him eventually destroyed him. They went with Samson down to the vineyards of Timnah to the place that bare fruit that was forbid by the Nazarite vow. And they enabled him and they went along with him and they gave in to his demands. He killed a lion in that vineyard With his bare hands, and later returned to the carcass and retrieved honey from the thing that would defile him. His new wife sided with the men of the land and deceived Samson, and his anger was kindled at her betrayal. Again, he slew 30 men and retrieved the garments. From the dead bodies that would defile him in the vineyards of the land of the Philistines. And his parents enabled him. His wife was killed by the Philistines because of Samson's rebuttal. And they vowed to bind him and to take his strength and to destroy him. That's what the enemy is setting out to do. He seeks to kill and to steal and to destroy. And if you scathed by one time, the next time he will come at you stronger. And then the next time he will come at you with a vengeance because he is not going to be satisfied until you are killed and he has stolen God's purpose from your life and you have been destroyed. Never bargain with the enemy. It will destroy you. With the jawbone of a donkey, Samson slew a thousand men and credited, to him, or credited the victory to his own strength. And yet again, he touched the very thing. That would defile him. Just like he did with the children of Israel, God extended his hand of mercy to Samson in spite of Samson's rebellion to his consecration and to his calling and his desire to walk the fine line between his calling and the world. God used Samson's rebellious acts and moved mightily through Samson because God's purpose was greater than the pain caused to him by Samson's rebellion. Again, Samson went down to the land of the Philistines in Gaza, and there knew a harlot And then further into the valley of Sorek and fell in love with a daughter of the Philistines named Delilah. And just as before, he didn't learn his lesson the first time. Delilah sided with the men of the land that was deep in her heart and conspired to deceive Samson and to destroy him. When Samson tired of the fight, after she begged him over and over again, don't you love me? Tell me the secret of your strength. Aren't you willing to give up your consecration for me? Do you not love me enough? When Samson got tired of the fight, he revealed to her the source of his might. You see, his might and his strength came from his consecration. That consecration was a conduit of the supernatural power that had worked through him over and over again because he vowed himself to that consecration. What would possess a person to align themselves? Against their consecration and calling and be willing to forfeit their power with God. Like with the children of Israel, I believe that Samson found his rebellion and his living on the edge of his consecration to be more attractive and more mysterious and more exciting than he found with walking Under the mighty anointing and favor of the one true and living God. Because there was a love somewhere deep in Samson's heart for the world. And he found it exciting. And he thought that he could get by with walking that fine line. But it eventually destroyed him his willingness to disqualify himself nobody disqualified him nobody turned to him and said you're no longer consecrated but he chose to disqualify himself from being chosen and called and that brought the mighty samson to his knees but the enemy made a vital Mistake because they had defiled the mighty Samson, but they shaved his head, thus cleansing the Nazarite of his defilement. If you only knew what I was going to be after the storm you wouldn't have even bothered me because I will be the enemy's worst nightmare. His hair, you see, in captivity in the prison of the Philistines had begun to grow back. Thus renewing the Nazarite vow, the enemy made a mistake. The Philistines had called for Samson to be brought to the temple of Dagon, where Samson was meant to be the ultimate sacrifice to their God. But instead, Samson ended up destroying the temple to their God. You see, they saw Samson blinded, humiliated, stripped of his might and of his glory. But God saw true repentance and the opportunity for his purpose to be accomplished through Samson's pain. Foolishly, the Philistines set Samson between the pillars of the temple, not expecting for that Nazarite vow to rise back up in him. They didn't expect for Samson to repent or for God to once again extend his hand of mercy to Samson. They had heard the stories of the God of this Nazarite, but they didn't know the might And the power of the one true and living God who is able to forgive and is able to restore. Even in a broken state, God is able to turn any life around there is no place to go too far from the presence of the Lord that he is not able to reach down and say, I still love you. I still have a plan for you. Get back up. Let me help you wipe the dust off. I still have a plan and I can still use you. If you have fallen, young people, young adults, Adults, if you have fallen and you think that your purpose in God has ended and that you cannot be used, let me be the one to tell you, God still has a plan and he still has a purpose for your life. You choose to re-consecrate yourself to the Lord. In In the last, or I'm sorry, Samson understood that he no longer had the vision of God's might being restored to him, but he finally understood that it was not by his might nor by his power, but by the spirit of the Lord that had actually caused him to be mighty. In one last restorative work of grace the spirit of God moved on Samson and restored his strength standing between the pillars of the idol uh, temple and at his last victory and the, the number of people that were killed, the number of Philistines, way outnumbered those that he had slew in his lifetime. Because in his restoration, God granted him even greater victory. God can restore and give you victory. You may be walking a fine line between consecration and rebellion, but I have come to remind you tonight that you are chosen. You are a royal priesthood. You are of a kingly bloodline. God is still calling you to come out from among the world and be separated and be consecrated to his service. The men and daughters of the land may have defiled you, but you can start anew again. It is not final. It is not over. But God is able to restore and to elevate and to set you back on the right track that his purpose can be fulfilled in your life. You see, mercy, there was great and grace was free pardon there was multiplied to me. He is looking for those who will abandon all, who will understand that they are chosen, who are willing to consecrate themselves. And he wants to extend grace, and he wants to extend mercy, and he wants to pardon you. He's looking for those who are willing to empty themselves of the lust of the flesh. He's he's looking for those who are willing to set aside themselves from the people of this land and he wants to restore favor and anointing that will rest on you so long as you keep yourself in covenant with the lord and his purpose you can be mighty men and women of god Not just mighty men. I live in a house with four very anointed men. And sometimes it can be intimidating. And there have been times when I thought it is their ministry and the work of God is for them. And who am I? But I'm thankful tonight that God has a plan for me. And that he has a purpose for me. And whatever that he is calling me to do, I know that he will enable me. I know that he will empower power me. I want to be a mighty woman of God. If you have fallen, get back up don't stay down don't think that it is over but recognize the fact you are chosen you are called you are consecrated and through your consecration the power of God rests on your life and then at some point somebody is going to look at you and say I remember what they used to be I know what they did back then but look at what God has done because his purpose is greater it is greater it is greater than our sins and our failures and his grace is greater and his mercy is greater and his ability to restore is greater and the latter shall be greater than the former greater things will you do if you will consecrate yourself to the purpose of the Lord. If there is anybody in this place who desires to consecrate themselves to God, who desires to be used mightily of God, who desires to keep themselves submitted and obedient to God, I wish that you would stand across this place. I wish that you would lift your hands, and I wish that you would commit to God. I'm going to keep myself submitted to you. I'm going to keep myself in line with the vow that I have made to you I will keep myself committed I will keep myself under the power of the almighty God hallelujah 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 thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord oh let's respond to the word of the Lord tonight I know it's Wednesday why don't we just respond to what we've heard Anybody in the house tonight feel like my future is going to be greater than my failure. God has chosen me. I'm going to consecrate myself holy unto the Lord. Step out from where you are tonight. Let's just gather in. We're we're still a little early tonight. Let's just step in and come gather around tonight and declare I'm going to do what God has called me to do. I'm not going to leave toward the flesh but I want to consecrate myself wholly unto the Lord yes hallelujah